Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hi, Scott. Welcome to another week. Thank you. Welcome to you as well. Thanks. To another week. Yeah, here we are. Here we are, nearing the end of the year. Crazy. Crazy. This might come out at the beginning of the year. I don't even know. Uh, Yeah, it might. So happy New Year, maybe. I don't yeah. think so. No. I think this will be mid late. Happy so. holidays. Happy It'll holiday. that'll definitely work. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, well, we got a question. We from do. Alex. Yes. And it could be relevant for end of year stuff. It can be. So let's uh let's jump into it. Do you want to read the question? Yes. Uh first of all, Alex, thanks for your questions. Please keep questions coming as you have them. This is how we help you guys learn. Um Alex writes in, hello guys, thanks for all you do. I love listening to the podcast. I've learned so much. Thank you, Alex. If you guys have learned anything at all as well, please share the podcast with other people and like us on uh, your podcast place. Um, okay, I am currently single and maxing out my 401k. Good job, Alex. In two more years, I would have been doing this and maxing out my back to a Roth for four years in total. I plan to go back to training for one more year. And at that point, this will drop me down from 37% tax bracket to 22%. My question is, I currently contribute to a Roth 401k in my 401k. I plan to stop doing that and just contribute fully to the normal 401k. But in the year I earn less, roll over everything into my Roth IRA. Is this the right decision? Or should I keep contributing part of the Roth 401k and regular combined? Thanks. All right. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. So I think the the reason we do stuff with 401ks is one, it's got a good investment benefit. So mm-hmm. you're investing your money for the long term. But the second thing is the tax benefit, which is either saving you money in taxes today or saving you money in taxes in the future or some combination of the two. So yeah. what Alex is asking is, Given the fact I'm going to be in a different tax bracket a couple of years from now, does it make sense to be strategic with how I'm putting money into my 401k and then maybe even converting in a couple of years from now? Yeah. So we'll go through that. To start, I think we'll look at a couple of things, not just should I do a Roth conversion or things like that when income's lower, and we'll explain what a Roth conversion is in case anyone's listening and doesn't, doesn't quite know, but also another thing that may be. Alex or someone else in the situation could look to be yeah. doing a year like this. Why don't we start with the simplest thing, which is the difference again between a regular 401k and a Roth 401k. That sounds like a wonderful place to start. Does that sound good? Yeah. Because if, if you guys don't remember, it's it's hard, can be hard to remember. So um, let's just say that uh, uh, James is working now and he's in a 10% tax bracket. And his choice is he can either do normal 401k, we'll call that pre-tax. That could also be a regular IRA if you have an individual retirement account. Or you could choose to do a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA where you're choosing to pay taxes today. Mm-hmm. And let's just say um, James has a 10% tax bracket. Mm-hmm. 
So James, we're going to have you put away $1,000. Do you want to do Roth or regular first? Let's start with regular first. Okay. So that looks like regular first. James is going to put away $1,000. He's going to pay no taxes. He's going to have $1,000 to invest. Now, obviously you're going to invest it for a really long period of time. And we're just going to give you a simple rate of return. You're going to 10 X your return over a really long period of time. So in the future, you're going to have Mm $10,000 and you're still going to have a 10% tax rate. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have you pay 10% tax on on $10,000. Yep. So you're going to pay $1,000 in taxes. This is way in the future. And now you have $9,000 left. Great. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Okay. Let's do it if you do it as a Roth instead. Okay. So Roth instead, James is going to have $1,000. He's going to choose to pay taxes today. So he's going to pay 10% on his $1,000 or $100 in tax. He's going to have $900 to invest. He's going to invest for the same amount of time, get the same returns. And in the end, he's going to 10X his return as well, and he will have $9,000 in the end. Makes sense. Yeah. So the the key is that the, if I the tax- the last piece is there's no, there's no tax. There's no tax owed the on the back end because you've already paid it on the front end, right? So it's really just a matter of when do we choose to pay the taxes? And the question that we're always asking is, do we think we're going to have more taxes today or are we going to have more taxes in our future? Yeah. So that's what Alex is getting at here. But the key is if, if, the, if, the, if it doesn't change and you're always saving the same amount of pre-tax money, whether it's before tax or after tax, it shakes out to be the same. The math is the math. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good overview of what the differences are between the two. Is there anything you'd want to add to that? No, I think simply a traditional 401k or traditional IRA, it's you get, hear people say a pre-tax deduction. So anything you contribute to those today, you're not paying income taxes on. Yeah. But you are paying income taxes when you withdraw that money in the future, whenever that might be. And the Roth is just the opposite. Anything you contribute to it today, there's no tax deduction, but it grows completely tax-free and you can pull it out completely tax-free in retirement. So as Scott's mentioning, if you're in the same exact tax bracket forever, it doesn't really matter which one you choose because it's going to be the same after-tax impact on both. But what Alex is getting at is he's saying, look, I'm not going to be in the same exact tax bracket forever. And in fact, in the next couple of years, even, I know that my tax bracket might drop from 37% to 22%. Mm -hmm. So as there's some good strategic tax planning I can do with how I decide to allocate where my investments go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think if, we, if you're all right with me, there's one thing he does ask, which is kind of like, hey, I'm doing this Roth 401k now. I'm planning on moving it to pre-tax. Right. And he's kind of asking, like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and I'll get my, my own thought on that is that if you have plenty of liquidity already in your life and you don't have a need for these funds, right, and you're, you are saving them for retirement, um, to me, when you're in the highest tax bracket, it can make a lot of sense to say, I'm going to choose to not pay taxes today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at 37%, which is where Alex is, that's the highest uh, federal tax bracket. So we, of course, don't know what state tax bracket he's in, right? if any, but 37% means he's in the highest income tax bracket. So yes, that is typically where you would say, I should at least strongly consider doing a pre-tax contribution. Yeah. Now, he's following that up by saying, should I do a pre-tax contribution now? So get my tax deduction today and then maybe do a conversion in a couple of years when I'm in a lower tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And if someone's listening and doesn't know what a conversion is, what, what it is, is as you're saving to your traditional 401k or your traditional IRA, you could at any point decide to convert those funds. 
And you could move money in your traditional IRA into your Roth IRA. Yeah. Now, whatever amount you convert is fully taxable. Mm-hmm. So if I have $100,000, my traditional IRA, and I choose to convert all $100,000 into my Roth IRA, it's like I earned another $100,000 this year. Yes. So whatever tax bracket that, that I'm in, I'm going to be taxes at that rate. Yes. Now, what I could also do is I don't have to convert the full 100000 I could maybe convert a portion of that. So could I convert 10000 this year? And in which case, I don't pay taxes on 100000 I only pay taxes on the 10000 that moved from my traditional IRA into my Roth IRA, and the remaining 90000 stays in my traditional, still untaxed, and that 10000 now continues growing completely tax-free forever in my Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So for Alex, I think that we would both probably say if you're in a 37% tax bracket today, it could make a lot of sense to to do the pre-tax contribution mm-hmm. today. You're you are every dollar that you put into your pre-tax 401k or your traditional 401k, you're saving 37 cents in taxes mm-hmm. plus potentially state taxes too if you're in a state where there is where you're paying taxes. Um where we want to go with this is fast forward a couple of years. Let's say that now you your income drops. Does it make sense to move some of the funds that you did put into your traditional account? Do you slide those over into your Roth account? And it could potentially make some sense to do that. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Before I do so, is there any anything that we've missed so far? Any kind of groundwork that you want to lay before we <clears throat> use an example? No, I think I think we're pretty much on it. Uh, agree. Agreed. Perfect. Um then let's look at it. So hi- hypothetically, Alex, if you put, say, 19000 let's just look at an example. If you are maxing out your 401k and you are currently doing Roth, but you want to switch to your pre-tax, well, here's, here's what that comes out to. If you are doing the 19500 which for 2021, which when we're recording this, is the 401k contribution limit. It goes up right. a little bit in 2022. Yep. Uh, the most you can do is 19500 Mm-hmm. If you were to do that full amount into the Roth 401k, it would cost you $7,215 in federal taxes in terms of taxes that could otherwise have been saved if you'd done the traditional 401k. Right. And we're making, just to be clear, we're making a general assumption here. We're saying, okay, we're choosing to pay taxes today. We know the maximum amount we can fill is 19500 Well, we have to do that with after-tax money with a Roth. So we're making the simple assumption that all of the money going in is happening at the highest tax bracket. Right. It could technically be happening in a lower bracket, but this helps for simplicity. Yeah. So we're going to assume it's all the highest tax bracket, which means to get that money in would cost $7,215 in taxes. Or put another way, if Alex were instead to do a traditional 401k, that $19,500 contribution would save him $7,215 in taxes, Mm -hmm. which is just 37% of 19,500. Now, if we fast forward two years, Alex says, look, I'm now in a 22% tax bracket. What does that mean? Well, what if he converted that 19500 into his Roth IRA? So just assume for simplicity, there's been no growth in that 19500 is still 19500 Well, if he converted that full amount from his traditional 401k into a Roth account, it costs him $4,290 to do so because now he's in a 22% tax bracket. So he pays less in taxes to do so. So just looking at it, it makes a lot of sense on paper to say, yes, when you're in a higher tax bracket, do the pre-tax account, save about $7,200 in taxes. Then in a couple of years, when you're in a lower tax bracket, convert that balance into your Roth 
it costs you just under $4,300 and you come out ahead by about $2,900 than you otherwise would have had you just put the money into the Roth. Yep. Now, that was a lot of details. What Ooh, yeah, it was. No, I, I think I think you pretty much nailed it all. I mean, you basically just walked through an example of what we what we consider like a tax arbitrage where you're choosing to put money away and not pay taxes on it. And the moment that you can, you're choosing to convert and and reap the rewards. But there's one big key. In order for this to work, you actually need to, in a sense, you want to be setting aside that extra fund, the extra funds, at least I think so, that you would be saving, right? So that yeah. that 7,200 we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, you you if you set it aside or at least set aside the amount that you're going to have to pay for the conversion in the future, yep. you really want to be doing that because you don't want to be doing a conversion and paying taxes out of the uh, out of the 401k asset that does not make sense and you have to deal with penalties and it's just not a not a yeah removes reduces the arbitrage strategy Uh, i think just in general you're exactly right if you're going to do a conversion you you ideally want to use outside funds to pay for the taxes that would be associated with that especially if you're under 59 and a half if you do a conversion and so say alex converts twenty thousand dollars from his ira to his roth ira yeah and he knows that that's going to cost him 22% in federal taxes. So he says, okay, I'm just going to have that withheld from the conversion amount. So 20000 is converted, $4,400 is withheld in taxes, and the remaining amount goes to the Roth. The amount that's withheld is technically an early withdrawal penalty if he's below age 59 and a half. So make sure that if you are going to do this conversion, you have taxes or you have kind of liquid amounts available to pay those taxes because you do not want to do it. From the converted amount. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on that? No, no. I, I know it's kind of a weird thing. Like, why would I pay tax on the conversion? I think it's because hypothetically, if someone wanted to use their IRA to pay taxes, they could almost have their whole paycheck come to them, not have to withhold any taxes. And then Sam is going to do a big Roth conversion and withhold the whole amount of taxes and yeah. kind of sneakily pay their taxes. Uncle Sam way. won't so, let you get away with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's a surprise to a lot of people is you don't want to have taxes withheld from the conversion if you're under 59 and a half. Just keep in mind that's an early withdrawal penalty. So yeah. So I mean, the idea is in in, in theory on paper, like the, the financial background of this, this does make sense, right? It, it certainly does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of things that I don't know the answers to. I think Alex is writing this as such that most of his assets are Roth assets and the only assets he'll be contributing to pre-tax would be coming forward in the next year or two, which would mean the conversion amount would be relatively small. So like this concept would work. Um, just as a as a caveat to that though, I don't want I don't want the listener at home to go, oh, I'm I'm always if I'm ever in a low tax year, I'm just gonna go convert all of my 401k assets. Yeah. That can create a really, really big tax bill for you. Cause like James said earlier, you know, if you have a half million dollars of pre-tax money and you decide to convert it all, you literally just it's like pretending like you just wrote yourself a half million dollar paycheck. You have to pay ordinary income taxes on that entire amount. You want to make sure you have the funds set aside to pay for it, to be as beneficial as it can, the most efficient that it can be. Just be really careful about doing this and whether or not to convert or not. Just a yeah, little, little warning. I, I, I forgot <laughs> that part of, of Alex's question is he did say, should I convert the full amount when I'm in a lower tax bracket? Well, when you're in a lower tax bracket before the conversion, Alex, you may be in that 22% bracket. But depending on how much you convert, that could push you up into 24 and then from 24 to 32 and then from 32 to 35. So right. I I don't I have no idea how much is in your 401k total. Right. 
But in most cases, it probably doesn't make sense to convert the whole amount, maybe just enough to fill up whatever tax bracket you're in and then stop. Or, or, to, or to wherever the arbitrage makes sense, right? Because there's right. a 22 and then a 24 and then a 32 and then it keeps, it keeps going. So it's just paying attention to the brackets that make sense and filling up the buckets to where it's, where it's ideal for you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing I would add to this is make sure that you're looking at the big picture. I'm just going to use an example of, let's say that today Alex is in the 37% bracket mm-hmm. and in two years, he'll be in the 22% bracket. And he says, okay, great. That's, that's the time for me to do these Roth conversions. Well, what if when you retire, hypothetically, you're in the 12% bracket? Mm-hmm. Well, that would be the time to do it. So don't, don't be so focused on just these next couple of few years in front of you. Look at the big picture and understand where are you today? Where will you be along the way? Where will you be in the future? Obviously, we have no idea where taxes will be 10, 20, 30 years from today, but you'll have a general sense of what will your income look like based upon, um, your assets and where they're held and different income sources. So exactly look at all of that. Um, and then you made a good point as we were talking before. Don't overcomplicate. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you can, you can try to, to make this per like the perfect solution, uh, for, for one given year, but don't, don't overly complicate it. Don't make it, don't make it harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. If it makes sense to go do it, do it. If you have the funds set aside that it works and you're okay with the trade-offs, go for it. Um, yeah, but don't, don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. Our podcast is called Real Personal Finance. And I think with personal finance, it's more personal than it is finance a lot of times. And yeah. so personal means behavioral, emotional, personal. Like it's what's going to motivate the best behavior and sometimes that doesn't come down to what's the right financial decision on paper it's what makes most sense what's going to keep me moving in the right direction and i would focus on that even if it means not getting too wrapped up into the numbers if that's going to stall you out on some other things that are more important absolutely yeah i got a little little wonky really fast um this is a numbers driven episode episode there's no doubt about that um you know another thing that that this uh question prompted for me though was um, things that you might want to do if you have a lower income year as well. Um, and, and one of the things that you we look at, I know you'll look at it in your practice and I look at it for clients in my practice is if clients hit a year where there is um, little income or lower income, um, we'll look at not only doing potentially Roth conversions, but we might also look at what's called tax gain harvesting. And with the year end, and we're kind of coming into the new year, people may have new things coming up for them. So I thought it was good to just touch on that. Yeah. And I've heard of tax loss harvesting. You're saying tax gain harvesting. Yep. So tax, explain the difference tax, between those? Tax gain. So tax loss harvesting is the idea that I'm going to take this loss that exists. I'm going to sell this stock. I'm going to, or bond or, you know, index fund. I'm going to buy us, not the exact same one, but a similar thing so I can stay invested. Um, and then maybe you know, thirty days later, I'll, I'll revert back to my my original investment if that's the one I want. That's to avoid this thing called a wash sale. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the the losses when we book them, we book them so that we can um, write off some losses on our tax returns. Like we can have up to three thousand dollars of losses written off on our tax return each year and carry forward losses into future years. Well, tax gain harvesting is an an interesting thing to look at when you're going to have a no income year or a very low income year. And what you're looking at is, do you own any assets that are taxable? So those are going to be in a brokerage account or a trust account, and uh, they maybe have some gains built into them. And what you can do is, is you can actually go take gains. And so long as you stay under certain thresholds, you can pay zero income tax federally. I like that. Yeah. What are those thresholds? 
the thresholds are uh for, sorry guys, but for 2022, they're, they're odd numbers. So it's $41,675 of taxable income for if you're single. Uh, and for married filing jointly, it's $83,350 if you're married filing jointly. Mm-hmm. Um, now that is on top of um, standard deductions. So <clears throat> standard deductions are these um, are these things that you basically get to um, automatically write off on your tax return. Mm-hmm. So basically, the the short the short answer is if if you make if if you bring up your your gains with your all other income sources to about fifty four thousand six hundred and twenty five dollars or less, you can have a zero capital gain rate if you're single. Right. So what we're looking at is what's your total income, and then when you subtract out the standard deduction, which if you're single in twenty twenty two is twelve thousand nine fifty. If you're married, it's twenty five thousand nine hundred. When you subtract your total income or your adjusted gross income, remove the deduction. What's left is your taxable income. And if it's under certain thresholds, you can realize capital gains up until that amount and not pay any federal taxes on it. Exactly. So I I think Alex will probably be above these numbers. He would um, be. Because of knowing these in the 22% bracket, that means his adjusted gross income is going to be higher. But if someone's listening to this and they're saying, I'm in the low tax bracket because I'm taking a year off or I've been without work or I just retired or whatever it is, this is an area where you can look to realize some gains and sell a stock on purpose that has a gain. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's a long-term capital gain, not a short-term capital gain, and immediately repurchase that stock or similar stock Mm -hmm. and lock in a new cost basis, a higher cost basis, and not have to pay federal taxes on it, which is nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. So those are a couple of things you can look at. I know that this was a little bit more of a technical episode with the examples we use, but in general, it's saying, how can we be smart about taxes? Can we do things in high income years where we are lowering our taxes? And can we do things in lower income years where in a way we're raising our taxes, but doing it intentionally in a way that it helps to lower taxes at a later point? So exactly. just being smart about what we're doing with our money. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd add to this, Scott? No, just be careful if you do any of this. <laughs> consult, talk to more CPA, than likely, consult the CPA, advisor. talk to your financial advisor, have a plan in place, dot all I's, cross all T's, make sure you really know what you're doing before you move forward with anything like this. Yeah. Otherwise, thank you for your question, Alex, and for everyone else sending their questions. And uh, let's go record another episode. Let's do it. Yeah. See everyone on the next one. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.